Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. If you get people to come back to work and you think you're going to entice them with free food, you're actually revolting them with free food. Here's why. Because they will compute the cost of free food versus the cost of the hours spent, including coming to work. And they'll basically say, I'm giving up $500 here and you're giving me $10 here. You actually are insulting me. You are treating people like they are children, but they are smarter than you. And this is the big revolution that management does not understand, is that they're not as much in charge and smart as they think they are. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero, and this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, Profitero's physical offices in Boston, correct? In the US, yes. And then is there one in London? We have one right outside of London. We have one in Shanghai. We've got a few regional hubs. I feel like when COVID originally hit, I was a little out of sorts, obviously, about how often I'd be going to the office because I wasn't going at all. And then as the world reopened, I actually don't know which office I'm in more frequently, the one outside of London or the one in Boston. I'm trying to spend a lot of time getting back into the office. How about you? Micmac went to the extreme, well, what I did in July of 2020 and told employees they could go live wherever they want. So, you know, we have employees now in 30 states and three countries, but we do have a physical office still in Manhattan, which is technically a mile from my apartment. What I have found in terms of my role and returning to the office is that so much of my day is confidential conversations. And it's really hard to do that in an open floor plan. It was an interesting article about, I think it was in the journal, that the open floor plan is basically serving nobody well anymore, either because of what you just said, and also because people are so used to being at home and in their own private environment, that coming back to the office actually makes it incredibly difficult to get work done. And there's conversation around bringing back the Dilbert cubicle, which I think is kind of hilarious, but you know, it's vintage man, right? No, but I've thought about this, that if I want to spend more time in a physical office, I'm going to have to have my own room, which culturally I never wanted to do. But now I understand why. But outside of that, you know, I I try to go in once a week when I'm in New York City, but we do a ton of offsites at Micmac. So I'm probably seeing some group of Micmacers every other week. It might not just be at our physical office. Yeah, it's been interesting for me. I've been trying to get to our office in Boston at least once every other week, either for one or two days. And usually I'll ground it with some sort of a tent pole, like we're trying to solve a particular problem. And so that might be like a two or three hour session, but the rest of it is meant to be about serendipity. Like I was in the office last Tuesday and I had a two hour meeting to solve a particular or to crack a particular nut. 
crack the nut, but the time around that was equally, if not more valuable because somebody pulled me in for one thing. I pulled somebody in for another thing. And I felt like it was in, in this like time accelerator where you could just get so much done. Now, could you do that every day? Of course not. If you do it every day, you actually don't do the things that you need to do when you're in that private area. So coming up with what that right equilibrium is varies based on your job varies based on your level of seniority and confidentiality that you have to be attuned to and where you are in your learning curve within an organization. 100% agree. And I don't think we ever knew how to put words to it, but Rashad has this great acronym, MVP, which in the tech world is minimal viable product. But in how you do work, his definition is minimal viable presence. What is just enough time for in-person interactions. In ways that it gets you what you want as an employee, but it doesn't tax the employee to the point that they're like, oh, I have to go into the office. It creates that desire because you know you're both giving and getting, but you don't have to be beholden to so many of the prior requirements of in-office presence. I think, A, it's a great memory sticker, which Rashad is great about his memory stickers, but also Rashad is great about boiling things down to some very simple ways of thinking about it that make you say, huh, why didn't I think of that? Well, on that note, let's bring Rashad onto the show. Today, coming all the way from Singapore, which is not his normal home, but that's how dedicated he is to this podcast. We have Rashad Tabakawala, a self-described unemployed starving author, but as the rest of us know him, a freaking legend. Thank you so much, Rashad, for joining us. I'm blown away that we're talking to you from the other side of the world. I know, but thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Rachel, for having me on your show. And I think that is an indication of what modern technology allows people to do. I suppose. So modern technology deprives you of sleep. I think that's what we've learned at this point. Yes, it basically brings work to you whether you want it or not. <laughs> well, I'll just remind you, you opted in. We invited you. Right. You said yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But as I said, starving author needs every opportunity. <laughs> so do uh, SaaS companies in the e-commerce space. So we're right there with you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so before our audience gets out the uh, very, very tiny violin for us, let's jump into this. Rashad, your career and impact on our industry is legendary. And one of the things that I've always admired over multiple decades of just following your career is not just that you are always encouraging people to be comfortable with change, but staying ahead of it and leaning into its impact, but putting a lot of practical components behind it. In fact, your weekly column, which I love waking up to on Sunday morning is the future does not fit in containers of the past. So let's kind of keep the theme around that. I'd love to talk about three major changes that are happening more macro and let's go into it organizationally, leadership and the workforce. So I'll start with the workforce and then Rachel can pivot from here. When COVID hit, a lot of discomfort. People were very much outside of their comfort zone in so many different ways. But now we're actually in a world where two and a half years later, the average office worker is arguably more comfortable than ever. You're sitting in a hotel room. Rachel's in her house. I'm in my house. We don't have to commute. We don't have to get dressed. 
everything can be delivered to my front porch, even my ice cream. So does that work from home approach create a comfort that inhibits curiosity because you don't get those new experiences and serendipity of just being exposed to more learning? How do you see this? So, you know, the answer is a little bit complicated, as you know, Nietzsche, well. Prior to COVID, you know, my book came out prior to COVID. And one of the chapters in my book is called The Darker Side of Brighter Screens. And it was basically people said, oh, you wrote this book after COVID. And I said, no, I did not write this book after COVID. I wrote this before COVID. It just happened to resonate a lot. And part of it was in 2019, prior to COVID, which is a tragedy in itself, we were using technologies in 2019 that were basically 2005, 2006 technologies. We had pretended that the world of technology had not advanced. What COVID did, very few bright sides given the devastation that it created, is it forced us to recognize that we had technology that did not require us to physically be together all the time to make organizations work. And we obviously were because of the disease forced to be a hundred percent exactly the opposite of what we were before. So we used to be all at the office and now we were all the time at home. And now companies are trying to, to your point, people have become very comfortable and companies are trying to, depending on where they are, try to say, let's go back to 2019, which is a non-starter unless you work for a dentist's office. Okay. It doesn't make sense. Others are basically saying, you can do whatever you want, which is perfectly fine. And others are trying to find a middle path. And I think to your point, what matters is not necessarily the office. What matters, and it changes, I think it matters a lot for certain industries and for certain group of experience or lack of experience or lesser experienced people, is the importance of in-person interaction. And we conflate in-person interaction with the office, but it isn't the same thing. Because when I was growing up, we used to go off-site for brainstorming, go to bars, restaurants, and events. So I think what we have to do is say, yes, it's comfortable, but in-person interaction allows you to do a little bit more learning, a little bit more connection, a little bit more creativity. How do we integrate that? What's the new middle way? So the answer is, there is something we gain having the flexibility we currently have, and there is something we lose. And how do you combine the best of what we get from unbundled distributed work in flexibility and comfort and everything else with some of the upside of in-person interaction? So um, my company went to the extreme. So when the pandemic struck, we were headquartered in New York City, and I was paying expensive rent in Soho. And I told employees, you can go live wherever you want indefinitely, and we're going to go higher from wherever we want. Fast forward today, we have employees in 30 states and three countries. We still have an office in Manhattan, and it's voluntary. And what I have found is that unless you have poor living conditions in New York City, or you're single and you're 20-something, you really have to give employees a reason to show up to the office. Because in many ways, it is an inconvenience. You know, Sarah and I are both based in the New York metro area. And there's kind of this trend right now where a lot of companies are trying to force employees to come in two to three days a week. Yes. And 
with doing that, they're trying to entice them with free lunches and alcohol, as opposed to communicating the benefits, as you were saying, of in-person interactions. How do you think we can get people excited about in-person interactions to get them to overcome the hump of their commute or the childcare that they might have to set up? Sure. So here's my basic belief. What your company is doing is where all current companies should start from. (laughs) So my basic belief is the default state is not 2019. The default state is 2021. Okay. Which is the big shock, especially for senior management at companies. So I said, you don't begin with how do you get back to what it used to be? What you had in 2021 is probably better than what you had in 2019. Mm -hmm. But there were certain things you lost in 2019. Let's figure out how we get those back. And to that, the example that I point to, and you probably have read about this, is a company called Automatic. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Automatic is basically a company where all the employees work globally. This was long before COVID in a very distributed manner like you do. I call it unbundled and distributed, not remote and hybrid, right? Unbundled and distributed. And the benefits of those are significant in the fact that you now have people, you can get diverse talent, you can get diverse people, you can get people who might not have been able to work because of childcare, elder care, some other kinds of stuff. On the other hand, what Automatic does is one week a quarter, not one day a week or three days a week, one week a quarter, all the employees of a particular team get together in a physical location of their choice anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And they program that week, right? And they program that week for learning, training, collaboration, interaction, stuff that you would not probably do easily at home. But because it's basically one week every quarter, people can plan their lives around it. They can say, okay, this week, is where I get childcare. This is the week I get this thing. And once a year, the entire company comes together and the rest of the time they give people budgets to meet with their friends, meet with their colleagues nearby. And that way, there are two things that happen, which most companies are finding very hard to understand. The default state is 2021, not 2019. So they keep thinking about how can we go from five days to three days? And my stuff is you should actually think about why you want to go from zero days to one day. At Micmac, we do something very similar to automatic. Right. We bring the whole company together once a year. Exactly. Yeah. And then you program it, which is like, okay, there are things that happen when people are together, but you don't need so much of it. Right. But when you do, you program it. But if you get people to come back to work and you think you're going to entice them with free food, you're actually revolting them with free food. Here's why because they will compute the cost of free food versus the cost of the hours spent, including coming to work. And they'll basically say, I'm giving up $500 a year and you're giving me $10 a year. You actually are insulting me. So I remind these people, you are treating people like they are children, but they're smarter than you, right? And this is the big revolution that management does not understand is that they're not as much in charge and smart as they think they are. And because of my past, I can go and tell them that because I used to be them. And I said, hey, listen, calm down. 
Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. To your point, just a build, and then I'll let Sarah chime in. One of the things that I believe will need to happen, and I'm thinking about how can I do this with my company because I've gone to such an extreme. I think there's amazing benefits to trying to create like hot cities that you're recruiting around. So you pick like five markets, especially for junior talent, yes. because they really do need so much training and on-site management. And so that's something, that's something that I think They definitely do. They definitely do. And by the way, I'm on a board of a couple of companies that's doing exactly that. It's like a map, right? So it's like where all their employees are and they found clusters and they now try to hire around those clusters. And the reason is not because of anything else, but when they found when you have these clusters, you're more likely to retain your employees. I completely agree. Yeah. Because they don't feel that isolated, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a big believer in in-person interaction. But my whole thing is you may not need as much as you think and you want to program it mm -hmm. and it's not coming back for sandwiches. Can I take a contrarian view on this one? Sure. By the way, not, not about the fact that they're smarter than us. There's no question about that. And I do believe that programmed concepts and all that and getting people together either to solve big, hairy problems or just to, to get alignment or whatever, all that stuff's important. Sure. But what about the serendipity? of meeting new people and learning new things. Like I've been going back to our U.S. headquarters in Boston and I'm in New York, which, you know, a couple of years ago, no big deal. Now I have major FOMO of not being in the office because on the days that I am in the office and I've been doing a lot of day trips lately, A, I get fuel. I get emotional fuel. B, you can pull people in here and there or you can get pulled in here and there there are things that asynchronously or serendipitously right. spontaneously combust in some sort of way yeah. that I don't think you can just do quarterly. I don't believe bribery is the way to go. So I'm totally with you that you don't want to insult them, but how do you create that combination of the serendipity and the curiosity and being able to even to raise your hand if you're a more junior employee to say, Hey, that's something I'd like to work on, or that's a project that you guys seem to be talking about in this cluster that I couldn't jump into that Zoom to learn more about it. So how do you balance that? So the way you do it is you basically use a concept from the world of startups called MVP, which is minimal viable product and create something called minimal viable presence. Hmm. Okay. And what you basically do is then you segment minimal viable presence. So for people who are less experienced in an organization, they may need more minimum viable presence than someone who is a little bit more senior. In fact, the most senior may need the most because they have to be available for people. The middle level may need the least, then you need the people, right? And then you basically say, look, we anticipate that this is going to be good for you for these particular reasons, for 
learning from serendipity, learning you know, in different ways. And we want to program around that. But a program doesn't mean you have to program the entire day. But you say in the, let's say, 30% of the month that you have to be here, these are certain days that we would expect everybody to be here. And then all the other days you can be here when you want and how you want. But that means that at any given day that someone is in the office, there is something that is programmed. There's like a 10-fold event and everything else is free. I mean, to do what you want. And usually what happens is, if serendipity is going to happen, 80% of it is going to happen in the minimum viable presence, right? By just hanging around for five days to have a moment is not necessarily the right thing. Those moments that they're going to occur are likely to occur if you end up being there for 40% of the time. So that's my step is minimal viable presence, which changes based on type of job and experience. And younger people, or I call less experienced people versus more experienced people, they benefit from presence more than some people do. And they want presence more than some people do. I'm buying that. Right? Because oddly, the younger people, to a certain extent, see this vast of also their social interaction and their learning and network. And again, this is a generalization. They tend to have fewer commitments of child care or elder care. Yeah, although many of them did enter the workforce remotely. So it is a heavier tax. But I think sure. that's going to be one of those things where word of mouth is just going to be able to, to demonstrate, oh, so-and-so was in the office, learned about this, and therefore, blah, blah, blah. So here's a term that you should check with your company. You'll get the number. But this is, I'm giving you an anecdotal number, which is quite shocking. So most companies have found that between 25 to 40% of their employees have never met each other. Okay, 25 to 40%. And you might say that's incredible. I said, not, it's not incredible. It's not incredible in the services business. Because if you think about it, in the last two and a half years prior to the current slowdown, most people actually started hiring a lot of people because of growth. At the same time, most service businesses have between 15 to 25% turnover every year, mm -hmm. which accelerated because of the great resignation. So in effect, I was the other day, I was a keynote speaker at Bernard Ricard, and they had got all 1,100 of their North American employees in one room in Las Vegas. And the CEO had invited me to come to listen to her talk. And then she basically asked everybody who was in the room who had joined in the last three years, and it was half the room. That's pretty extraordinary. And that's probably true in most companies that between 25 to 40% have never met. And that's some of the reasons that you want to think about, about the importance of in-person presence, because the disadvantage is not only don't you grow, but it's very easy to quit on a screen. So give me an idea. If I had decided to decide, which I decided a long time ago, that I wanted to move to a new career, if I could have got away by just sending an email to my friend in Paris called Maurice Levy, who was my boss, and say, I'm done, thank you very much. I'd never met him, right? It would be very easy. But I had to go to Paris and say, I have a plan. And he says, you're an idiot. What is your plan, right? And, and over time, I had to explain to him. And he says, okay, we'll figure it out. We'll support it. But it made it much more difficult for me to quit him, right? On the other hand, it became harder for him to fire me because I was not a person he'd never not met was a screen. He would have to deal with me. So he says, oh, God, what do I do with this loser? So those are things that you also have to think about that 
sometimes in-person interaction actually is good for your job. So Rashad, I don't know if the story you just told is the answer to this question, but what is the bravest thing that you've ever done? I would say the two bravest things. One is when I first decided to take a risk on the world of digital marketing in 1993, when I was a very successful account person at Leo Burnett. And I transitioned into a job in the direct marketing group because my client didn't believe in television advertising. And I thought direct marketing didn't work for Heinz Pet products. And I built a case why it didn't work, but I got quizzical about why it didn't work. And I began to realize because we were spending a lot of money finding the target audience and buying paper stock and mailing to people. And that's how I discovered AOL and CompuServe. This was before the World Wide Web in a big way. And I said, I'd like to start the interactive marketing group. And as long as you pay me the same, I'll go from running a group of 75 people to a group of one person. So that was, I don't know, it was the bravest thing, but it was probably the maddest thing, right? Because most people basically said, okay, the guy's gone insane. Okay, so that was number one. I think the bravest thing recently was my decision to follow a piece of advice that I got some time ago from a very senior person who's leaving at what seemed to be at the height of what they were doing. And I said, why are you doing this now? And they gave me a simple line. Every career has a midnight hour. The smart people leave at five to 12. Okay. And no one was asking me to leave. I was doing really well. And I went to Paris and I said, hey, Maurice, I want to talk to you. And I said, hey, I just want to tell you that when you take over in the future, don't plan on me being in your team. I think it's time for me to step aside. I was leaving from a very good job, which I was well regarded and I was doing well, to do something that was unknown, to be a writer, speaker, and advisor. And my wife thought I was insane. But one of the brave things is you have to sometimes take a risk to reinvent yourself. It was time for me to reinvent myself let me get out of Dodge. Well, and that was pretty brave. No doubt that that was very brave. Although I think from what you just said, you're not remotely out of Dodge. Right. But the uh, face-to-face with Maurice as somebody who uh, has only done that once, I would say the bravery is there, but really the bravery is in so much of what you do and say on a regular basis. So thank you so much for joining us. We would love to have you back a second time if you'd be up for that. Absolutely. I would love to add, you know, thank you again for what you are doing and for pioneering, both you know, as entrepreneurs, as women, but most importantly, as people with great skill sets, you know, which is great humans. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. 
Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast new episodes come out every tuesday i do hope to see you there